Welcome to the Career Pivot Podcast. I'm Beck Sands and I help people pivot into careers or businesses that they love. This podcast is an interview series with people that have successfully pivoted their careers so that you can feel inspired to do the same. I believe that everyone deserves to do work that they love and to feel fulfilled, driven, and know that they are making a positive impact on the world. Now, let's get into the episode. Today, I'm interviewing Tracy Atkins, Managing Director of GoldenEye Media, an international media agency that builds premium content and campaigns to capture and inform global audiences. GoldenEye Media make incredible videos capturing the stories of the world's most luxurious properties for marketing campaigns. Tracy pivoted her career after spending 20 years as a broadcast journalist, covering breaking stories and anchoring national and international news bulletins in Australia, Asia, the UK, and the USA. Now, let's dive into the interview. Thank you so much for being uh, being here, Tracy. It's so good to have you. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Beck. I've been looking forward to this. Me too, me too. Well, let's get into it. Um, so tell us a bit about where you were at in your career um, and a bit about your journalism background before you made the big pivot into um, agency. Yeah, so I was sort of almost 20 years actually in journalism, mostly in television journalism, mostly in Australia. I worked overseas in both the United States and the UK as well, but the majority of my time had been spent in television here uh, doing a bit of everything. I worked in regional TV and just did the usual sort of run-of-the-mill news stuff right through to working in the federal political press gallery with Channel 10 and ended up towards the end of my career actually working on mornings with Kerri-Anne as I sort of had my kids and and needed sort of a more family-friendly sort of environment. And that's about when my pivot moment came because it was a decision that news wasn't really working for me as far as moving forward with a family and, and, and just realising that probably I needed something that I could have a little bit more control of over my life and news doesn't allow you that. Um, Especially TV, right? Like, I mean, TV must be quite uh, intense in terms of deadlines and everything. Yeah, it's um, particularly, I think my my best years or my favourite years were with Channel 10 probably and that was the toughest deadline in town because it was the five o'clock news back in those days gosh, this was a while ago, Beck. we actually did have a five o'clock deadline. There wasn't all the social media around. So that was kind of the breaking news time. And so it was the toughest deadline every day that we had to meet. And so, yes, it it was tough. And all of a sudden I realised that also wanting to be able to be at the forefront of news is making yourself available to get on planes or get in cars or get in helicopters and travel to wherever the news is. And if if you want to be at home with a family, that is really not a match made in heaven. No, I can imagine. I can imagine. As well as like, yeah, the stress of it probably. Yeah, it's, um, you, you get to be an agen- adrenaline junkie when you're a journo um, and particularly in sort of day-to-day news and places like the gallery and that sort of stuff. But uh, it's, it's, it's very hard to come down off that or I found it very hard to come down off that and, and step into the role of a motherhood. So I was probably at that moment where I decided to step away from news and as I said I was still working I ended up doing part-time work with mornings with Carrie Ann and then I got a phone call from a girlfriend 
who said, hey, have you got any free time to help me with some media relations on a property project that I'm doing the marketing for? And that was, that was the pivot moment, I guess, or that was the first time of dipping my toe in the water with real estate marketing. Wow. And so how did you actually step into it fully? Well, I did that particular job and, and we got ended up being lucky enough to get quite a bit of media coverage. And I thought, actually, there, there's something in this. There's something about generating media coverage for real estate. And this was, I, I know exactly when it was. It was about 20 years ago because I, I was pregnant with one of my daughters who's 19 now. And uh, I also thought, I also thought, so I thought we've got to try and get more media coverage for good real estate because people are fascinated with this. The other thing that I thought was, why aren't we filming these properties? Um, because I'd come across from the television background, I was a storyteller naturally, and I could see that there was an ability to tell stories about some of these interesting um, houses and some of this real estate and you know, all Australians love their real estate. So I approached a couple of mates of mine that were cameramen at Channel 9 and said, why don't we look at making some films about real estate? And I was working at the time. Well, actually, what happened after the project, there's a real estate agency in Melbourne called K Inversion that was the real estate agency handling the property campaign that I had been working on. And they came and said, we like what, you, what you do. Would you come and do some work with us on an ongoing basis? So it was to them that I said, listen, we should be using video that tells stories. And, and they were sort of up for that. And that's where it all began. I love that. And I love how you, uh, you've really used the skills that you had and built in journalism and in TV and then applied that to a completely different field. Um, how did you kind of like really carve out a niche? Um, I guess like, I guess what I'm asking is like for people that are thinking about, you know, transferring their skills into a different field, how was it that you were able to kind of think of a whole, you know, something that people would really want uh, in terms of the skills that you'd already built up in journalism? I guess the thing that from the very beginning in which I continue to use this day is what makes me unique and what is the offering that has made GoldenEye that we've created unique because there's, you know, still to this day, the majority of real estate video work is pictures and music um, and there's a temptation out there to say, well, that's what everybody else is doing, so that's what we should do. But I always thought, well, what can I possibly bring to the table and what's going to define our point of difference is that I do have a lot of length and depth you know, behind me as far as a journalist. I, because of television and because of having some wonderful mentors in television over the years that taught me that with television you need to write to your pictures um, and that was always something that I was particularly taught. I did a stint at the ABC and they were really good with, with really ensuring that when you wrote, you made sure that your words married with your pictures and brought what people were saying to life. And so that's something that I've always tried to work with really hard in real estate. So I've always said that what our film should do is give information, engagement and build desire. So when people are looking at our videos, we want to give them understanding and we want to get them thinking. We want our films to be the thought starters, that people, the, the, the things that open people's minds so then the agents can open the doors to the houses for them. I love it. And your, your videos are absolutely beautiful. Uh, and your voice, <laughs> no, they really are. And, and your voice uh, on it, you can really <laughs> hear, but you can, I mean, you can really hear that storytelling um, and the way that you bring it to life. So I'm going to link 
uh, in the show notes below so that everyone can check that out. Um, yeah, to, to your videos and to your website, because uh, it's definitely worth having a look. You've definitely carved out um, a real difference in the market, I think. And, uh, you know, it's, it's your, the videos you create are very much one of a kind. So. Oh, thanks, Bet. Yeah, and it's, that's, it's definitely grown our understanding and my sort of approach to that over the time that I've been doing it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so that brings me to what are some of the biggest challenges uh, that you faced when you were starting out and your biggest learnings? I think the biggest challenge is always, and I think it's probably something that most people and particularly women will relate to is just wanting to please everyone. Um, particularly yes. when <laughs> you're starting out and that was kind of ingrained also from growing up in the world of television journalism, where, um, as a young woman, you were given a lot of advice on how you should dress and how you should look and that if you behave the right way. And, you know, I'm, I'm not someone that's sort of standing up and screaming about glass ceilings and all that sort of thing. But there was a sort of, a, a, particularly in my younger years, a time when you feel that you had to, to fit into the mould. And television back in my days was television newsrooms were generally run by men. And there was this feeling that if you made them happy, you would do very well, don't rock the boat. So when I first came into starting my own business, I probably behaved a little bit about, a bit about, or a little bit like that again, possibly again, because real estate is a male dominated industry. And um, I tended to find that I was very much wanting to make people happy because if they were happy, that would make sure that they continued to employ me. But as time went on, I realized that the reason that they were employing me was because I knew what I knew and I could do things that they couldn't do and so I had to start learning when to say no, uh, learning when to stand up and argue a case or when to put a case forward and to trust my instincts. And that's probably been something that to this very day, I still occasionally have to struggle with. And I'm of an age where I, you know, if I don't kind of learn, up, learn to stand up and be strong, I don't know when I'm gonna get my opportunities. So that's probably something that I've learned and that I have to continue even to this day to remind myself about. That's such a good point. And I think perfectionism for like, particularly for women, I find um, men kind of just seem to be like, oh, we'll just go, like we'll just do it. Whereas mm -hmm. women are like, oh, okay, well I'll do it. But then what about this? And what about that? And what if, you know, <laughs> what if people oh. think this? And what if people think that? <laughs> it's true, but men have, uh, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to have self-belief and probably just what's power. And you're right, women tend to sort of overthink things I think sometimes and it's just it just automatically seems appropriate that you say yes when someone you know a client asks you to do something because the customer is always right but mm. I very much learned that it's the, the best results always come when we were honest up front about doubts we had or raised questions and still to this day um, my general manager Zoe and I are working on a big project at the moment and I said I wish I'd said more up front about the potential problems we were going to face in the COVID environment because now we're dealing with those and managing or remanaging expectations because of that. And I think that's the one good thing. If people are coming to you, you've got a skill set, they're going to respect you for the fact that you say, there's things you don't understand that I do right now and I want to put them to you up front. And if they, if they don't want to hear that or you don't get the work because of it, then possibly it's not a loss because it's, you struggle then to sort of deal with it if you haven't put those details in up front. And that's, that's always my big belief right now. It's just managing 
expectations, sharing your beliefs and your knowledge and backing your, yourself and your judgment. Absolutely. And then if people, you know, if they don't trust or believe in your expertise, then potentially they're not your ideal client anyway, right? Yeah, exactly right. You know, if, if, if you're having this, it's kind of like what they say about new in a marriage. If it's not great, if it's not great at the, during the engagement, it's never going to get better. And it's kind of the same with a project. If, if you, it's never going to get better. So at the very start, that's kind of a great time to say, look, this is what we can do. Um, this is what we can't do. And it doesn't mean that you're sort of sitting there making outrageous demands and sort of being uh, sort of a bit of a princess about the whole thing. But I think just having, you know, it's really hard sometimes to say we can't do that or we're not very good or I'm not very good at that or I know you don't want to hear this, but you probably need to hear it. Um, and they're great conversations. And I'm getting better at it. Zoe, my general manager, is very good at it and reminds me to do it more often. She says, she says we could call each other T and Z. She says, uh, T, if, if you can't tell them that, who is going to tell them that? So, <laughs> I love it. So, Complimentary uh, skills. So good to have someone yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to have a wingman. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's another thing. I actually do think that it's Terrific. And I should mention Zoe, what's been great about Zoe is she's been with the company nearly eight years and she came here as an intern and I never wanted her to leave. But we've become a great partner, partnership in that we have differing strengths. We're def definitely a different age group, but we have differing strengths. And I think it's great having someone there that you trust implicitly and you can run things by even if maybe they aren't someone that sits within your company having a peer that understands the challenges and understands the industry that you work in that you can use as a sounding board and will give you confidence will give you advice will give you the truth when you need it it's a wonderful thing to have Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think anyone, um, you know, anyone starting out in their own business and that's in their own business can really understand how lonely it can get as well, yeah. I think. Um, and, you know, you're dealing with all the challenges on your own and it's, it can be, it can be really tough. It can be really tough. So, yeah, no, I think that's brilliant to have someone that you trust so implicitly working with you. Um, I wanted to ask, so you touched on COVID before, how have you sort of, I guess, you know, had to change and pivot your business since all of this happened? I mean, we're recording this uh, mid-May, just so everyone, everyone knows the time frame on this. But yeah, I mean, how, Tracy, how have you had to, I guess, adapt and evolve GoldenEye um, in this time? It's been a, a really challenging time, I think that great term about learning to get comfortable with being uncomfortable is really applied to us because on one hand, there's been almost a sense that we had to, you know, everything around in the industry. And as you know, we're so real estate focused, closed down around us. And at the other, other side of the equation, we were busier than ever in many ways because we had a lot of agencies, owners reaching out to us and saying, you're the best possibility we've got of getting these properties onto the world stage at the moment, to getting them in front of people, whether it's, you know, in the neighbourhood or whether it's on the other side of the world. We need to find a way to speak to people. And the way that, that we do films really came into, into light. I mean, we've always had a great uh, following for the, for the storytelling, but storytelling really, really came into focus in this period because we actually effectively became the spearhead of the campaigns because agents were taking what we did and then saying, we're sending you something. It gives you a tour of the house. It'll explain the house to you. And because we do that, 
what it feels like style. It was almost becoming a, a virtual open home for people. So we became incredibly busy, or there was an incredible rush of demand very early on um, for us. But then we struck a challenge in that we were in an environment where suddenly access was difficult. And we tend to run larger crews than most. We, because we have producer, we, have a, we tend to style the properties as we go through. We're very much about creating an editorial approach, like a Vogue magazine sort of approach to the way we film the houses. So we style them. We, we couldn't run with those numbers. We were down to having to run with just two people crews. So the styling had to be pulled back. We couldn't really have we were wearing gloves and masks. We couldn't touch things. Um, people weren't always comfortable with having us around them. So suddenly we said, okay, we've got to run a scaled back version of what we do, but we've still got to make it look like what we do with the full, with the full crowd. So that was a challenging time. One wonderful thing that came out of it though, we, we did get this rush of work and we did know there was a lot of people in our industry that were losing work. So we sort of pull out, put out a couple of public service announcements, I suppose you could call them on our Instagram and Facebook accounts. And we sort of said, hey, people in the industry, in the production industry, if you're looking for work, we've got a flood of work and we can't meet all the demands. So let us know if you're looking. And what ended up happening is we were setting up a bit of a matchmaking service. There was agencies that were coming to us that weren't at our price point. We tend to run a slightly higher price point because of the work we do. We were matching them up with sort of cameramen that were just happy to take on any work in various locations. So that was a wonderful thing that came out of it. And the rest That's of the great. time with our own, yeah, it was really nice. We, we got to know some great people and, and I hope that they got to set up some great working relationships moving forward. So we, we had our own challenges, but there were some good things that came out of it. I love it. So nice. So kind. Um, so what are your top three recommendations for, let's say someone that's in a corporate role or, you know, another, a journalist um, potentially that is thinking like, oh, okay, I really want to change. I really want to uh, make a shift, but I'm just not sure what I should do or what the next step should be for me. What, what do you think, are, you know, perhaps the, the top three things that they could do right now to take that next step. It's extraordinary how companies have, they can't sort of find a way to refine things. Journalists are very good, particularly people that have been reporting for quite a while on, on, on daily news rounds are very good at finding cut through. Um, a journalist will look at something and for better or for worse, they'll find a very quick way to say what's my headline and how am I going to capture the key the key elements here and what makes it newsworthy what do people you know it's news and not old there's a reason why it's called that what makes it news so journalists have that great skill and it's it's extraordinary how how much in demand it is when you go into the corporate world when you go into any form of business and put those sort of skills on the table and you'd be amazed how refreshing it is when people say, wow, that's extraordinary that you were able to just so quickly define what the story is or that there's a story here for us. So I think journalists, particularly these days when, and I believe that after COVID that we are going to be a much even more dynamic digital storytelling environment because I think during this period, so many people have lent on digital to become their kind of their shop front or, or their face to market or their way of, communications that I think there's a real opportunity now to keep moving that forward by saying hey we can tell you stories and we can share them digital's making it easy these days and um, I think it's a great opportunity opportunity for journalists uh, to start sort of putting out the word and saying can we help you deliver in some great content 
I couldn't agree more. I think it's such an incredible skill, journalism. And I think it's very, it is very transferable um, Mm. to other things. And I think it's also very unique. Like there's not many people that can actually, like you said, pull a story out or really nail content that's going to be emotive and really tell a story um, in a way that, you know, whether it's a brand or or the person behind it wants that story to be told. I think journalists do that in a very unique, unique kind of way. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's so, so many opportunities. What are a couple of other things that you think, like in terms of, I guess, you know, if, if it was like a journalist or if it was just someone in corporate, like in terms of thinking, okay, how can I find you know, my next step, like what, what can I do next to, to think about like what, what could be the right next move for me in my career? I always think it's good um, to, because I, I, I was thinking about this before we spoke, but I always think it's really good, Becky, if you've got an opportunity to test the market before you leave. So I sort of say to people, um, and I got to kind of do that in the case of, what I did with the property that I was still working at channel nine at the time and then sort of had a go at the, um, the property PR stuff and realized that there was a market there. So I sort of got to test the water a little bit. And I think that's a great way to say, look, because first of all, you know, this Beck, you've done it yourself. Becoming a, a sole operator is scary. Yep. Um, it's the greatest roller coaster ride of, or the worst roller coaster ride of your life in that the <laughs> highs are the greatest highs yeah. and the lows are the most challenging lows because you do you really exposed at all time. It's it's your ride that you're on. Yeah. Um, so I think it's great probably first of all probably to discuss it with potential client bases or or customers and feel it out a little bit more and even have an opportunity if you can in your after hours time or something test the water and see if it's something you feel you can manage and do and if there is a market in it I mean it's lovely to be able to say that you have that luxury not everybody has that luxury and particularly in the current climate there may be people out there that are being forced to look at what their next steps may be but if the opportunity is there to say well why don't I see if I can dip my toe in the water with this one and see if there is a market and then what I'm thinking is going to work is going to work. I think that's a great way to be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's that's a very, very important tip. So, Tracy, what is one book uh, that's made an impact for you uh, in relation to your career or your business or, um, you know, pursuing your passion? Actually, interesting that you asked that. One thing that I really did enjoy was, um, and I was reading it really early on in um, in the Golden Eye Journey. I, I read the book Dreams of My Father by Barack Obama, which sounds sort of very deep. And by the way, I'm not sort of putting myself in the same league as <laughs> Barack Obama and thinking on a path to the White House. But um, there was moments in there where he just had a calmness about him. And a sensibility. And I think that was the one thing. There was a line I was just trying to remember. I hope I can recall it here in a moment where it, it, it's just a sense of knowing where you're going and having an innate belief that once you're on the journey, it's worth it. And there's something about the whole style that he approached him that, that kept reminding me that if it's to be, it's up to me. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a belief, it's a resolute belief that you're on the right path and, and being calm and accepting of all the challenges that are thrown away all the time. And I actually found him 
quite inspirational and probably a little bit spiritual through the whole thing. And I, I did come back to that line, if it's to be, it's up to me all the time, which was just dig in, stay the course, accept the challenges and, um, and, and keep going and, and try to stay calm, which is not always easy when you feel like it, it's, you know, you're facing an enormous challenge. But that was, for me, a book I always remember and I keep it sitting in a position in the bookcase at home where I work so that I can see it. And every now and again, I just think, stay calm. I love that. If it's to be, it's up to me. It's really like action, you know? So what, uh, do you want to tell us a a bit about anything you're currently working on and where people can go to find out more about you and GoldenEye Media? Uh, Well, we are currently, I think I said, I don't know if I said at the start of the interview, I'm currently working with (laughs) Zoe Lewis, a massive project that we filmed at the height of COVID um, in Los Angeles with um, breakouts in New York, uh, Switzerland and San Diego. And the whole lot had to be done via Zoom because we have a crew that we work with. We have our head offices in Melbourne and now we have a a team in Los Angeles as well because we have a lot of work in the United States. Um, So the United States, normally for a, a particularly big project like this, I'd be jumping straight on a plane and going over and sort of... EPing and directing the whole thing, but I had to do it via Zoom through the, through the night uh, because of the difference in the time zone. So that's been really challenging. And even since the post-production process, because we're all siloed, our team, we can't all be together. So the workflow process is disjointed and difficult. So that's, that's going to be a very interesting one. It's got a strict non-disclosure clause at the moment, so we can't discuss it, but it's for a very big enterprise in the United States. We're really blessed with the opportunities we get back to film really extraordinary real estate. Um, so all of that is out and about. Our website is um, goldeneyemedia.com.au and you can see all sorts of beautiful work in there. I think we did the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Estate in Martha's Vineyard last year with Caroline Kennedy, which was an extraordinary project. And the Rothschilds residence in, in New York was amazing. So there's some, if you just love beautiful property, go on and get some popcorn and just get ready to swoon. I wish, I wish we could say they're our own houses. They're not, they're other people's, but at least we get to spend a little bit of time there. <laughs> oh, me too. I love it. I love just, it's like property porn, right? It's like, it is. <laughs> yeah, it seriously is. <laughs> oh, love it. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes below. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I think um, I got so much out of this interview and hopefully our listeners did as well. Oh, I hope so too. If any of our story helps anybody, I'm delighted and um, I'm delighted that you had me on. Thanks so much for listening. And if you loved this episode, please share it with your friends and leave a review. You'll find a link to this episode and all of the show notes at becksands.com forward slash podcast. While you're there, make sure you sign up for my free weekly email newsletter where I share loads of practical advice for making your career pivot. Remember, you deserve to do work in the world that you love. Until next time, have an awesome day.